listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. So it is 2021. Can you believe it? I got one woo in the whole room. How do you move forward into it? I think we would all agree that 2020 had more than its share of struggles and troubles and, uh, and problems. So Jesus said that's the way it's going to be. You're going to have troubles. But he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And then John tells us that everyone who is born of God, have you been born of God? Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So you might ask, how is that, that that I overcome the world? Whatever the world wants to throw at me, whatever the world wants to come at me with, whatever temptation, whatever trouble, whatever challenge, I'm an overcomer. And John says, here's why. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one, the prince of this world. So Jesus is in you, and he is greater than the one who is wreaking all the havoc. And so you're an overcomer. Do you feel like an overcomer? Let me give you a couple of options here, okay? Would you say, hey, Rick, I'm an overcomer, or would you say, if I'm going to describe my life, I think I would use this word instead. I feel like I'm often overcome. So where would you land in the conversation? How many of you would say, um, I'm like a cat, Rick Harvey. You throw me up in the air, and I'm going to land on my feet every time. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to somehow find a way to come out on top. I am an overcomer. I stand on the promise of God's Word. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And I am an overcomer. I will not live my life defeated. Or there are others who would say, I don't know, Rick. It seems like to me that I, I kind of live my life overcome by my circumstances or my problems or my struggles or hard times. I don't feel like I'm living over anything. I think I'm overcome. But I don't want to be overcome. So I don't know how many of you would remember a, a cartoon series. Uh, movies were made about uh, a Disney character called Winnie the Pooh. You with me? Hands in the air, everybody. You at home, you know who I'm talking about. Winnie the Pooh said profound things. Did you ever remember some of the things he said? He said, I've realized I always get to where I'm going by leaving where I've been. Deep, isn't it? Do you remember the character in the Hundred Acre Wood named Eeyore? He was a donkey. Eeyore lived his life not as an overcomer, but he was constantly overcome. Do you remember Eeyore? Eeyore said things like this, it could get worse, but I don't know how it could, but maybe it could get worse. He was always under it. He said, there's only one cloud in the sky, and it's drizzling on me. And somehow I'm not surprised. So just turn to the person beside you if you're in the room or at home and say, don't be an Eeyore. Would you do that? You just, you just don't want to be an Eeyore. Because Eeyore lived his life not as an overcomer, but he was always overcome by his problems, his challenges, his troubles, his circumstances. So you, you might say, Rick, how in the world do I live a life as an overcomer? Uh, how do I accomplish that? If I don't want to live my life like an Eeyore, if I don't want to be overcome by everything that comes my way, how can I get beyond that? And how can I get above it? And how can I overcome all the stuff that this world throws at me? How can I live as an overcomer? So here's where we're going to start, okay? Very important stuff right here. We're going to start with God, all right? 
I think we're tempted sometimes to start other places. We look to other resources to find strength to be overcomers. But you have to start with God. Truth is, you came in the room, or you joined us online, with an understanding in your mind of God. So the study of God is called theology. So what we all do is form an understanding of God. And so you come today with an understanding in your mind of what you believe God is like. Now here's the real question. Is your understanding of God accurate? Is it correct? Is it incorrect? Everywhere you go, you carry with you a picture of God. That picture that you carry with you, is that really what God is like? And so to find a real understanding of God, I think we have to constantly go back to God's Word. And we ask ourselves, who is God and what is God like? So in the passage that was attempted to be read to you a few minutes ago, um, this is what we learn about God and what God is like, okay? First of all, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, if you want to open your Bibles and have them in your lap, it might help you. He first tells us that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many, many times God said things like this, this is my son, when he was talking about Jesus. In him, I'm well pleased. God referred to Jesus as his son, and Jesus many times referred to God as his father. Here's the second thing we learn about God in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. God is the father of compassion. Now this is big. It's not simply saying that God is compassionate, which he is. It's higher than that. He is the Father of compassion. Compassion defines Him. So if you're like me, when you're going through hard times, when you face troubles in your life, when your circumstances are tough, you want to surround yourself with people who are compassionate. It's difficult when you open your heart to somebody and you share with them that you're going through a tough time and, and they don't seem to have any compassion for you. That, that's hard. But God is this merciful, loving kindness kind of being who is the father of compassion. Here's the third thing we learn about God, and that is that he's the God of all comfort. Paul says not only is he the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the father of compassion, but he's the God of all comfort. So when we learn these things about God, here's where we come to a conclusion, and that is that God is not just one who exists separately from us, and God is somewhere off in a distance just doing his own thing while we're down here trying to make it through life, working through our troubles, problems, circumstances, and situations. What we learn about God is that God does something. And Paul says in this passage what God does is simply this. He comforts us in our troubles. I like the way Eugene Peterson translates the same verse in the version of the Bible called The Message, he says, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. See, that's, that's the kind of God that I need. I need a God who is not divorced from what's happening in my life, somewhere far off, far away, doing whatever God does. But I need a God who comes alongside me when I'm going through hard times. 
Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, talks more about comfort than any other biblical writer. And he talks more about it in the book of 2 Corinthians than he does any of his other books. We're going to hang out in 2 Corinthians for a few weeks. But on this Sunday that we call Epiphany, my prayer and my desire is that God would do something in our time together. And that he would open your eyes and that he would reveal himself to you as the God who comes alongside you when you're going through hard times. And it won't be just a head knowledge that you gain because we spent time in God's Word this morning, but it would get to your heart. And you would come to a point of believing and knowing that the God we serve is a God who comes alongside us when we go through these tough times. So let, let, let me show you what I mean, okay? Let me give you just one of the verses back again. Verse 5. Paul says it this way from the message. We have plenty of hard times, but no more than the good times of his healing and comfort. So, Rick, I'm, I'm with you on the first line for sure. We do have plenty of hard times. That's, that's life. We have hard times. But, but the next two lines, let me think with you about them. But no more than the good times of his healing and comfort. Here's what Paul is saying. I'll show you the next slide. He is saying the hard times never outweigh the comfort. So you might have a friend in your life who when you try to talk to them about your hard times, they seem to get glazed over and they don't really want to hear it. Sometimes I've gone to people really hurting and needed somebody to listen. And maybe I just didn't pick the right person. And I wanted to talk to them about a hard time I was going through. And I could tell they didn't really want to deal with my hard time stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, you got too many problems. I want friends without problems. I don't want to talk about problems and troubles and hard times. I want to talk about good times, okay? And I didn't find the compassion that I wanted to find. God will never say to you, you've got too many problems. I don't want to talk to you. The hard times that you have will never outweigh the comfort that God brings you. In other words, God is going to bring you comfort in the same measure that you experience trouble. God is never going to walk away from you. God is never going to say, I don't want to hear it. God is never going to say, you've just got too much stuff going on for me to deal with. God is always going to come to you in your hard times and comfort you. Now, here's why I think it's so important that we talk about it in this season of our lives and of our world. We're experiencing global tragedy. I looked to see how many people have died of the pandemic, and, and the numbers that we have is about 1.8 million globally. Now, I, I don't know how many people have died. And I don't think we'll ever know what the real numbers are. I know that the numbers that are reported in the United States are contested by some. And I can't imagine that every third world country has the ability to report every COVID death like we have the ability to report. And so I, I, I don't know how many people have died as a result of COVID. In fact, I don't think we'll ever know what those true numbers really are. But here's what I've come to decide in my own heart. I know people that have died as a result of COVID-19, the coronavirus. And for me right now, those are the real numbers. The, the, the people that used to come to church on Sunday morning like you're here today. The people who sit in this congregation like you're sitting in this congregation now. Those are the people that I know that have died. And, and there are no numbers any more real than those numbers to me. 
And so what we've experienced over these last almost 10 months have been overwhelming. Our, our world has lived in a state of anxiety. And if it's not anxiety about the virus, it's anxiety about the division that the virus has brought to us as a nation. We have lived with uncertainty. I get up every morning of my life pretty much just assuming that whatever I've planned for the day could be changed. I never know if we're going to get to have the service like we plan to have it or not or what's going to happen. Or if we're going to keep the schedule that we planned for the day. We're living with disappointment. I think about how many life passage events we have not gotten to participate in. Like birthdays and graduations and weddings and even funerals. Things that we would normally all do together. We live with concern. Not only concern that somebody that we love really doesn't need to get this virus or concern that somebody we love may die, but concern about somebody being out of work because of the virus or somebody facing tough financial problems because of the virus. We just live our lives in concern. And there's people that we love who have suffered emotionally. It's been too much. The loneliness that they've encountered in isolation has overwhelmed them. Some people have suffered physically. I've got close friends, guys who are friends of mine, who are my age, who kind of have my, you know, physical build and everything else, have suffered for weeks with this virus. I have one friend in the hospital today who is about my age. And, and then there are many people who have suffered loss because of it. So I'm just talking about the pandemic at this point. <laughs> I'm not talking about life in a normal year, which I know what's normal, but I'm talking about, you know, not with the pandemic. I mean, life without the pandemic has enough challenges and problems and troubles and struggles of its own, right? I mean, there are people in our congregation who have had a tough year in 2020, and they would say, but it had nothing to do with the pandemic. When people ask me how I'm doing, I just... I don't want to complain. I say I have no complaint to file. When I think about how other people are doing, I think, you know, we haven't missed a check. Everybody in my family is healthy and well. I mean, how could I complain when I think about what others are going through? And I know there's always that story that someone else is much worse off than I am. But let me tell you what I'm trying to share with you is that even though life offers more than its share of problems and struggles and troubles, we serve a God who comes along beside all of us and comforts us in the midst of our troubles. So I'd love to take a few minutes since we're going to be in 2 Corinthians for a few weeks and give you a little bit of backstory about what's going on and why Paul is talking like he's talking and what's going on in his life and what is his relationship to those believers who live in Corinth, okay? So here's what's, here's what's happening. Paul was a, was a church planter. He was a missionary. And so Paul would leave home, and he would take off and be gone for years at a time, and, and he would stop in a city or a town, and he would begin to preach the gospel, and, and people would embrace the gospel, and, and then he would kind of gather them together and form a little ecclesia, what we call a church, a gathering of, of believers, and he would stay with them for a while, and he would disciple them along. And after he had discipled them along, he would appoint an overseer. And then Paul would go to the next place. 
And he would begin to preach the gospel and people would begin to put their faith in Jesus. And he would begin to gather together this group of believers and would form another little gathering of people, believers, an ecclesia, what we would call a church. And so he just kind of planted churches everywhere he went. And then after a while, he would hear how the church was doing. On his second journey, he goes to Corinth. It was strategic. It was a port city. It was also a major economic center. And from Corinth, Paul believed the gospel could spread. And it did. But after he's been gone for a while, he gets word that the church, the believers in, in Corinth aren't doing so well. Um, they, they, they disagree with each other. There's division in the church. Can you imagine that? A group of Christians not agreeing together over everything. And, and so there's five major points of division. And so he writes 1 Corinthians. And he writes 1 Corinthians saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with these problems and this division that you're experiencing. And the, and the intent of 1 Corinthians was to correct all of those problems. But to his surprise, his letter was not received well. In fact, not only did they reject his teaching, they began to reject his authority and said, we don't know that we want you leading us anymore. There were several reasons why. One was they struggled with the fact that the Apostle Paul was a poor man. He had very little earthly wealth or possessions. He lived day by day. Do we really want to follow a guy who's poor? Because if you follow a guy who's poor, couldn't you maybe become poor? (laughs) So I don't think we like following poor people. They also said he's got some suffering. He's got some physical stuff going on. We read a lot about Paul's ailments. And, and, And why can't he overcome this stuff? And do you really want to follow a guy who's always kind of suffering, and also he, he gets persecuted all the time. They beat the poor guy half to death. Do you want to follow a guy who is dealing with persecution because do we want to follow him into persecution? I don't think so. And then they also said, and by the way, he's not very good when he stands up to speak. He's not a good orator. And you might say, I read Paul all the time, and he wasn't a very good writer either. He had a lot of run-on sentences that he dealt with, you know. And, and they were kind of ashamed of him. And they said, there's other religious leaders that we've come to know, and, and they're not poor, and they're not getting beat half to death all the time, and they're pretty good speakers, and I think we want to follow one of those guys. And so Paul does what you and I sometimes do when we encounter problems with people. He says, you know what I should do? I should just go see them. If I can sit down, if I can get an audience, if I can look them face to face, we can work through this, I'm sure. They'll hear my heart. They'll hear the inflection in my voice. I'll work this out. And so I've done the same thing before. I've thought to myself, I just need to go talk to that person. So Paul goes to visit them. He later refers to it as a painful visit. (laughs) It did not go well at all. There's been times when I thought, if I can just get in front of somebody and talk to them, I'll get it all worked out. And I've gotten in front of them, and it didn't go well. I didn't get it worked out. That's what happened to Paul. Later, they apologize, most of them. And they want to reconcile. So he writes 2 Corinthians, which we read to you from this morning. And in 2 Corinthians, here's what the apostle Paul does. He reconciles, and then he challenges those who are still rejecting him. So, if you want to make a list this morning of Paul's troubles... I think they would look something like this. The rejection of the Corinthians. I don't like being rejected, do you? He didn't either. He's going through a hard time. You can hear his pain in his his words that he's writing. You can feel his sorrow. 
Then Paul is going along with everyday struggles. We don't know what physical problems he had, but you and I know that life just brings you everyday struggles. So on top of the rejection of the Corinthians, he's just dealing with the everyday struggles that you find in life. Life comes at you fast. Life comes at you hard. You're going to have problems in life. He had everyday problems. And the other thing that he's dealing with is persecution. I mean, he talks about it. I've been beaten with rods. I've been beaten with whips. A night and a day I spent in the deep. They have left me for dead. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. So I don't know about you, but if I'm living here, I think my tolerance for this is going to be pretty low. Do you guys have any idea what I'm going through? And I've got to deal with your petty issues? Those are his troubles. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put an X through Paul's name. And I want you to put your name here. And I want you to think for a minute about your troubles. And I want you to make a list. What would be number one? What would be number two? What would be number three? Where are you struggling today? What are you concerned about? What tempts you to worry? Who are you concerned for? Where are you struggling? What are your troubles? And Paul says, here's what I've come to know. That the God that I walk with and the God that I serve, He comes along me, along, along beside me rather, in all of my troubles. And He comforts me. There's some insight here that, that, that we can't ignore. Because we would like for it to be different. And, and sometimes we would, we would like to popularize a different message, a different gospel than what Jesus or Paul preached. And, and, and we would like to think that, that, that maybe, you know, it, it, it should be this way. That, that if I follow Jesus... And, and if I go to church regularly, and if I serve somewhere, and if I give in the offering when the plate comes by, or in, in our case right now, when the boxes are at the back door, then, then maybe I shouldn't have major problems. And Paul said, no, we go through many hard times just because we follow Jesus. And he never saw suffering as weakness. He saw it as identifying with Christ. Here's how it happened for Jesus. There was suffering, and there was the cross, and then there was the resurrection. And Paul said, I think that's the way it's going to work for you and me. I think there's going to be suffering, and I think there's going to be a cross, and then I think there's going to be a resurrection. And so if you come to today with this mindset as we approach this conversation about being an overcomer, if your mindset is simply this, that I'm going to overcome when finally all of my problems are gone and out of the way, then you are never going to overcome. You overcome in the midst of them. I remember a lady in Cincinnati who attended the church that I pastored there. And in my mind, she had a hard life. And she had more problems and challenges and struggles. And I would have never wanted her circumstances. 
but I think she might have been the most joyful, positive person I have ever spent time with in my life. It's not about circumstances. It's about, number one, the first step in overcoming is becoming fully aware that God is with me in the midst of it. So if you're going to ask me, Rick, what do you do? Then I've got, I've got, I've got an answer for you. I, I think it's two words that I'm going to give you. One is no, and the other is turn, okay? Know that God is with me no matter what comes my way. Know that I don't have to live defeated no matter what comes my way. Know that God is going to be beside me no matter what comes my way. Not only do we acknowledge it when we pray and talk to God, God, I know I've got some tough stuff in my life right now, but you're with me. I'm not by myself. We also confess it. I was on the phone yesterday with a lady who has just lost her husband. And she talked to me over and over again in that conversation we had on the phone about how God was with her husband through those last days. In fact, all of his life and how God has been with her and how God is with her now. She confessed to me openly, God is with me. In the midst of the troubles I'm facing, God's with me. So I think the first thing is that you know, you acknowledge, you confess, God is with me. No matter what happens, God's with me. God's beside me. I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. I'm not here to fend for myself. God's with me. And the second thing you think you do is you turn to Him. You utilize these gifts that He's given us, His Word, and the gift of prayer. And you turn to God and say, God, I need strength. I'm going to find it in Your Word. I'm coming to you today. Instead of going to other sources, it starts with you saying, these are the challenges that I'm facing. Now, I know you're going to be with me. And you're going to help me through. So there's a bonus in this. You like bonuses? You want a bonus? Everybody wants a bonus, right? Here's the bonus. Here's what, here's what Paul says. Let me show you on the screen. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Now we know that. We've established that. That's the good news. That's what we're going to stand on. It's the first step in becoming an overcomer is knowing that God's going to come along beside me when I go through tough times. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times. Wow. It's happened in my life many times. I've gone through a really tough time. And then as God brought me through and as I overcame, God brought somebody else into my life that was going through a hard time so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. It becomes communal. And we've become a part of a community of overcomers. Because as God brings us through then he brings other people into our lives who are going through similar things. God comes along beside them and he brings us along beside them and they overcome. And we become part of a community of overcomers who live by faith. I got to spend a little bit of time with my granddaughter Sadie over the break. And Sadie is uh, just slightly shy. She's a little bit timid. And one day we were together and I say to Sadie, as she looks at me with this kind of wishful look in her eye, I said, no, you can go. Go ahead. And she paused and she looks up at me and she goes, will you go with me, Ricky? And I said, yes, Sadie, I'll go with you. And so here we are. 
and we look into a new year and we look up at God and we say, will you go with me? And he says, absolutely. <laughs> I'll go with you. And when those hard times come, I will come along beside you. You will never be alone. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.